Morning, everybody. Today's reading is from Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 34, and it's on page 871 in your chair Bibles there. This is what it says. And he said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither, neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fall, fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. So glad to be back here with you today, week two, continuing on here in our series in Luke. And from what you just heard, if you didn't realize that this passage is, uh, it's pretty powerful. And um, I'm just uh, praying right now as, as we dive into it, that God would, would speak to each of us through this passage and through this topic that's, um, that's really difficult for, for a lot of us. So anxiety is a dangerous thing. According to the dictionary, anxiety is a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. So scientifically, it's been proven that anxiety can cause a myriad of issues. But not just physically, it can also cause mental problems. And as we're going to see in a little bit, it can actually cause spiritual problems as well. And it's because of the amount of stress that it puts on every variable of our lives. So research has shown over the years that anxiety and worry actually deteriorates, deteriorates our immune systems. People under constant or high anxiety show lower T-cell counts, which are essential for immune response. Anxiety can have an effect on fertility. It's been shown to affect the brain, making a person less able to respond to future stress. And not just that, but anxiety has also been related to just sudden heart failure out of nowhere. For such a dangerous thing, it sure is pretty common. It's so common in our day-to-day lives. In the world we live in today, this word anxious is used all the time in pretty much any scenario that you can think of. I'm anxious about finances. I'm anxious about homework. I'm anxious that I'm not a good mom or dad. I'm anxious because I don't know how we're going to make it. I'm anxious because my life and everything I do, it just seems to be worthless. So as I started to study this passage, it was such a slap in my face with the realization that I'm one of the biggest offenders of this. Even as I sat writing this sermon, I was thinking to myself, wow, I am so stressed out right now. I'm so anxious because I I need to write, need to, I get to write two sermons in a row, but also I'm restarting youth group, but also I'm restarting community group, but also I'm trying to finish my degree. And, And on top of that, I have all my other responsibilities and I feel like I'm actually failing as a parent because all of my spare time is spent doing all of these other things and and I'm not spending enough time with my kids. And, and even, even last night, 
Last night, I was sitting there for hours awake because I'm going on a bear hunt next week and I just kept stressing about all the different little things. I'm like, well, I gotta do this, I gotta do this. And then I realized as I'm sitting there stressing about it, I was like, oh my gosh, as I'm going to preach this passage tomorrow. Why is this such an incredibly difficult thing? Why is this little thing so difficult to understand? It's everywhere and it hits each of us out of nowhere if we're not careful. So the passage we're studying today not only addresses this issue, but lovingly points to the truth that anxiety causes nothing but harm with the beauty that there is a remedy. So before we get into the structure of the message, I wanna take two seconds here to acknowledge that there are people, actually like myself, who have been clinically diagnosed with anxiety due to chemical imbalances or a number of different factors, right? And I would say to you this morning, if this is you sitting here right now, do not shut down. Don't shut down because you might think, oh, this doesn't apply to me, right? I... A doctor told me that that this doesn't apply. That's not true at all. This passage is for each and every one of us today sitting in this room. As we're going to see shortly, it's actually about a full spectrum trust in the God that we are called to fear in our lives. Clinical or not, this message is for each of us. So this morning, we're going to see several things emerge that Jesus is using to help us see this topic through a different lens. We're going to see the disorder in verse 22. The remedy, you can throw that up there whenever. The remedy in verses 23 through 30. Oh, it's already up there. Never mind. Cool. So the disorder in 22, the remedy in 23 through 30. And then in that, we're actually going to see six sub points. I know I don't like using a lot of points, but I think it's important with this. Anxiety in the day to day, you're valuable. Anxiety is pointless. Your destiny is not destruction and your father knows what you need. And then at the end, we're going to see the results. You don't have to be anxious. At the end of the sermon today, my prayer is that we will truly see God for who he is resulting in a full spectrum trust in him. Not worried about the outcome because he holds the outcomes. So I pray that even when anxiety creeps in, we would trust God we're called to fear who loves us and knows us. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you are so good. You are great. You are greatly to be praised. God, I pray as we get into this passage, this very very real topic that affects each of us in different ways, God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. God, that you would speak to each of us in in any of the ways that we might be, be struggling in this area, Lord, that you would reveal that this morning and that as we leave here today, there would be such a true full spectrum trust in you. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So open up to Luke 12, starting in verse 22 with the first point, the disorder. So last week... If you were here, we walked away with the reminder to fear the one true God, to trust him and live for him with today starting with the line, therefore, therefore do not be anxious. So as you've heard from this pulpit more times than I can count, I feel it's always necessary to reiterate, I'm sure most of you know what I'm about to say. When we see a therefore, we should always look to see what it is there for. No one repeated after me, so I'm guessing no one knows that. So in this case, it points directly back to what we studied last week. With this concept in mind of fearing the Lord in everything. So last week, Jesus started off with, don't fear man, don't fear death or persecution, but fear God. Fear this God who loves you, who intimately knows you and cares for you and will provide. And it ended with the man in the crowd yelling at Jesus to split property between him and his brother. 
So this passage is immediately after Jesus finished talking to the man, the crowd, and the disciples about covetousness, giving them a parable regarding what it looks like when someone is not fearing the Lord with what he has. Not fearing the Lord with a pursuit, with their pursuit and their drive. So in the parable, the man was so concerned about his things that he built new barns and then was thinking he was so successful that he sat back and looked at all that he had done, talking to himself, saying, soul, look at what we did. Isn't this great? With the ending of it being God saying to the man, you fool. And again, the man's problem was not that he had treasure on earth, but that he was not rich toward God. He didn't fear God with his, pers- his possessions, his pursuit, and his drive. They were all for himself, not for the one who deserves it all. Jesus' point was that anyone who doesn't fear God with what they have, stores up treasure for themselves, is not rich toward God, is a fool. So this gives us the context here of this therefore. So now let's see what he's saying again. Therefore... With everything that I just said about fearing God, everything that we just talked about, do not be anxious about your life. So I think it's fascinating here that right on the heels of a conversation about greed, Jesus throws in there, don't be anxious. Don't worry. A preacher once said, greed and worry are closely connected. Greed can never get enough. Worry is afraid it will never have enough. Neither have their eyes on Jesus. You can be as unfaithful to God through care as well as through covetousness. So I don't think prior to this, I had ever looked at this passage that way in that context before. Greed, you can never get enough. Worry is afraid it will never have enough. So Jesus does an incredible thing here with combining these two concepts into one cohesive understanding of a continued fear in the one true God, but an overarching trust in this one true God. So as we talked about at the beginning, the definition of anxiety includes a bunch of different things, but the one that I really want to point out and I want to hone in on this morning is the idea of uncertain outcomes. Uncertain outcomes. Because everything Jesus talked about thus far, uh, thus far has been an uncertain outcome. Potentially being killed by your enemies because of your faith. Being persecuted. In the parable with the man's riches, he didn't know what to do with it. He was anxious about his things. It was an unknown outcome of what should I do? In each of these scenarios, like I said, there's this unknown. So last week, Jesus encouraged them then and us now that in the midst of the uncertainty, he has a never-ending love for his people. In 12, 6 through 7, he reminded them how valuable they are with the vision or the visual of the sparrows, saying that if he knows each one of them, how much more does he know you? That he knows every single hair on your head. So even in the uncertainty, even in the unknown, or what or what man may do, or any of those things, he loves us and he cares. Therefore, fear him. So going back to this this line here in 22, he takes us right back into it with the loving command, don't be anxious. So I want to point something out here as we start to dig into these verses. Jesus does not say here, try not to worry. He doesn't say, if you get a chance, just avoid it. He says, do not be anxious. This is a command. Jesus knows the severity of this seemingly small but terrible thing that he he commands it. Because this thing is so detrimental to people. Jesus hammers it home. 
Because when anxiety is present, hear me on this. A lack of trust in God is present. The unknown outcome is trumping the truth of God's sovereignty in our lives. Which not only can cause massive medical issues as we saw at the beginning, but it actually affects us spiritually because it's affecting our relationship with God. Now you might be thinking to yourself, wow, that's, that's kind of harsh. And if this is so serious, then, then how am I supposed to deal with it? How are we supposed to deal with this thing that's just a common thread in each of our lives? Jesus is being so serious. And what's great about this, Jesus doesn't just throw that line out there, don't be anxious and then move on. Don't worry about the unknown of life, which I'll be honest is probably one of the most difficult things to do as a person. And he says the end. No. In loving Jesus fashion. He gives us the remedies for this extremely difficult thing. We're going to move on to verses 23 through 30. The remedy starting in verse 23, anxiety in the day today. And he said to the disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will put on for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. So as Jesus begins this conversation on the remedies of anxiety, he starts from the ground level. He starts at a spot that we can all easily relate to. Areas that each of us can see anxiety creep in, and that is in the day to day. The things that might be seemingly mundane, but can be destructive if anxiety is allowed entrance. Jesus says, don't worry about food or clothes. If these couple things don't hit home, I don't know what would in this topic, just, just thinking about the basic daily things that we, that we need. I'm not gonna have you raise your hands, but if I did, I would bet that each person at some point in their life has been anxious about something in their day-to-day I would almost guarantee it. Maybe at some point you lost your job and you had no clue how you were going to provide for your family. Maybe a string of events took place that left you just so worried and concerned about your finances. Maybe kids got sick and you weren't sure what to do because the medical bills just kept piling up. The list could just go on and on. When I first left the oil fields and stepped into ministry, I don't think I've ever been so anxious about finances. So I went from a a really good job and felt God calling me and leading me into ministry. And when I first got into the church, they were only able to pay me quarter time. Just Chris was transitioning out of his position. And so it was just a really, it was a weird time. So I worked quarter time at at another place that was uh, helping me out and then to quarter time there. And I was so stressed because we weren't making ends meet. We ended up going on food stamps. We ended up having to do everything that we possibly could just to survive. And I remember daily just being so anxious, like, like I'm the provider I'm the one that's supposed to be making the money and I'm supposed to be bringing in everything that my family needs, but I can't do it. And you would think that someone going into ministry, like there would be a different perspective there, but me being a sinful, broken human being, that was, that was all I could think about was, I don't like, thank you God for letting me into ministry, but why, why did I do this again? I was a wreck during that time. I was worried about every little detail of our lives. So worried about the unknown. But God in his grace and his mercy always provided. He always sustained us. And yeah, it wasn't caviar and sushi every night, but he gave us exactly what we needed. Because in this, he doesn't say, don't worry about the day today, done. 
he says, don't worry about the day-to-day because life is more than those things. He's not saying he doesn't care about that, but saying life is more than that. Trust him in it. Remember that God that we're supposed to fear? Remember the one that knows you and loves you? When you remember who he is, you can know that you don't have to worry about the unknowns. When I look back at that time in our lives, I don't cringe, I don't regret it. I don't think about how terrible it was. I actually thank God for those times because it helped both Jen and I to trust him more, to rely on him knowing he actually is the only one that can sustain. Knowing we don't have to worry about the unknowns because he will provide. This takes us to point two in the remedies. You are valuable. 24, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? So Jesus takes this first remedy of the day today and adds another element to it. Not only should we not worry about it, that there's more to life than those things, but now he brings to the scene once again how valuable each and every one of us is to him. So this remedy right here for anxiety is so powerful because it's a reminder that if the God of the universe cares about the little small animals, think about how much more he cares about and loves you. A pastor once said, the worry many people have over the material things of life is rooted in a low understanding of their value before God. They don't comprehend how much he loves and cares for them. So when we lose sight of the truth that the God of all creation who brought you into existence, that laid down his life for you, values you, he loves you, he cares about you, hopefully knowing this shifts your perspective. When we understand that we're valued, we start to see the truth that we will be provided for. Now, I feel like there's several elements to this that need to be addressed, that need to be addressed so there's not confusion here. So this is kind of just a sidestep for a second. The first is that these passages do not mean to sit at home and do nothing and poof, there you go. It's not at all what these passages are saying, but sometimes it can be misused and twisted with that. Colossians 3, 23 through 24, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So we're called throughout scripture to work hard, to work for the Lord and live out what we're here for And that is honoring God with our lives and working towards the growth of the kingdom. So yes, we're called not to be anxious in the day today, that we're valuable, but that does not give us the green light for laziness. And we'll address the other nuances later on, but we can be rest assured that in these first two remedies, we know we're not to be anxious because he will provide and that we are valuable. The third remedy is kind of a break from looking at anxiety from our standpoint to the the cold, hard truth about it. 25 and 26, anxiety is pointless. And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to a span of life? If then you were not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? I don't know if you didn't know this or not. You aren't in control of your life. You can't even add an hour to it if you wanted to. You don't know when you're gonna die. And I think a big piece to the anxiety puzzle is actually control. As we talked about throughout the main, the main thing contributing to worry and anxiety is unknown outcomes. 
Everything thus, th- thus far has been that even in the unknown outcomes, fear and trust God. And here, an interesting thing comes out, and that is, again, control. When we feel out of control of our own lives, we can spiral. And we can head down that anxious rabbit hole. We want to know that we can do it ourselves, that we can provide, that we can do this and this, and the list just goes on. Just like the man in the parable last week, it was all pointing to him and his control of the situation. But just like the man that couldn't control his own death, Jesus slips this in here, you have zero control. You literally can't add an hour to your life at all. So why in the world are you anxious about everything else? This is a call to full spectrum trust in him the one that is in control of it all. Now I could stand up here and tell you that on October 16th, whatever year it is, when I'm 85 years old, I'm gonna be in an airplane and I'm gonna jump out of that airplane and the parachute's not gonna open and I'm going to die. I could tell you that, but is it true? No, of course that's not true. Because Elon Musk is gonna give me a new brain before then, right? I'm just kidding. No, it's, it's not true. We have no idea what the future holds. So why am I stressed out? Why do I have to have control when there's only one in control? I shouldn't be worried about the outcomes because he is in control of the outcomes. Matthew 6, 34, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So, so far the remedies we've seen are anxiety to day to day, in the day to day, you're valuable. Anxiety is pointless, leading us to the fourth one. Your destiny is not destruction. Verse 27, 28. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown to the oven, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? So Jesus continues in this section of remedies with another reminder of who we are to him with an extremely drastic comparison of lilies and Solomon. So the people at the time not only knew who Solomon was, but he was kind of a rock star of sorts to them. This was a king that, was, that trusted the Lord so much that he, he was the wisest and the wealthiest of all time. This is the man being compared to with flowers. So Jesus is saying, look at these beautiful flowers in the field, more beautiful than Solomon, yet they're alive today and thrown into the fire for fuel. How much more will he clothe you? You who are made in the image of God, you that if you've put your faith and trust in the one who came to rescue and restore our children of the one true king. Think about how much more valuable you are. Think about how much more loved you are. There isn't even a comparison here. Let's say one day I go to an art gallery and I'm there with my kids and we're looking around and I'm pretending like I know what I'm looking at. Like, oh, wow, that's a beautiful portrait of... Something, yes. And someone perceives me to be an art connoisseur and walks up with the most beautiful, expensive painting of all time and he hands it to me and says, here, you can have this. All you gotta do, those kids, just give them to me and you can have this painting forever. Now, uh, I mean, I know it might be tempting at times with our kids, but obviously that's just, it's silliness to even think about that. It's just ridiculous. But Jesus is using the ridiculousness of a flower and a person to hammer home the point. And not just that. He brings into the play this really cool visual saying, look at these flowers, how beautiful they are, and they go into the oven. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you will never be thrown into the oven. You will never 
experience that because you are more valuable because Jesus sacrificed everything so that that wouldn't happen. Don't be anxious. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about the day today or the future or the outcomes. Stop worrying about it because you are beyond belief without a doubt so precious to the king of the universe. And he tops it all off here with this great little line, you of little faith. I want you to see here the punctuation that Jesus, that's used, that it's an exclamation point. Jesus is like, are you, are you serious right now? That you are so concerned about the outcomes that you, do you not know who's in charge? You of little faith. Now he doesn't say you of no faith. It's you of little faith because church, I can tell you it's so easy to have little faith at times. And storms of life start coming when we fear the outcomes and not God, when we worry about our lives, when we lose sight of who God truly is and don't have a full spectrum reliance on him, we have little faith. But that's why Jesus is pointing the disciples and the crowd and us back to the truth here. He doesn't let us drown in our anxiety. He is pointing us to the remedies and the truth. There's a quote by Spurgeon I thought was really good for this. It reminded me how no holds barred the guy was. If you don't know anything about Spurgeon, he, he said it the way it was. Little faith is not a little fault for it greatly wrongs the Lord and sadly grieves the fretful mind. To think the Lord who clothes the lilies will leave his own children naked is shameful. Oh, little faith, learn better manners. Oh, <laughs> I love it though. Have better manners. As intense as that is, there's so much truth. How insane is it to think that the God who gave everything up for us would not provide for us? So before we go into the final remedy, I just wanna talk about the other element to these verses that should be addressed. First was it's not saying to be lazy and do nothing. The second one that needs to be addressed here is that this is not in any way a prosperity gospel. That if we put our faith in Jesus, we will get whatever we want. We'll have more money and riches than Solomon if we have faith. That is not what this is saying. Don't be worried because you'll get whatever your heart desires. It's not in here. As we see in scripture all over the place, you have men like Paul who had almost nothing, was beaten, shipwrecked. I don't know if you knew this. He was also bit by snakes a few times. It's not about how much you have. It's trusting that in everything, God knows every detail of your life and will sustain you in the way he sees fit for the movement of the gospel and for his glory. So you might go through a season as Jen and I did where, where we ended up needing to trust him in everything. And from this, we grew closer to him. In that moment, that is what we needed and he provided. With our final remedy in this section of scripture, 29 and 30, your father knows what you need. Do not seek what you are to eat and what you're to drink, nor be worried for all the nations of the world seek after these things and your father knows that you need them. So right in the heels of what I was just saying regarding what this passage is not about, we see another reminder of this truth that not only should we not be anxious about these things, but know that he knows what you need. He knows the outcomes and the details and he knows where you, each and every one of you are at right now. So seek him, trust him, don't be anxious, lean on him. I believe this is a point regarding the pursuit of our lives now. Are you anxious because the, the pursuit of your life is stuff, is things, 
I think this is a warning against con- the continual pursuit of things with a lack of trust in God. Everything that we've talked about, as I said at the beginning, is a full spectrum look at trust in God in every aspect of our lives. From the beginning of 12 to now, we're being reminded that everything is in his hands, especially the outcomes. And at the end of the day, we shouldn't look like the world who worries and stresses about the pursuit of things. But trust in God who's above all. And now it shifts from the disorder to the remedies to the result. What needs to happen now that we know these things? Instead, verse 31, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. So instead of worrying about these things we just talked about, seek the kingdom, seek the kingdom of God. Seek him because when we see God for who he truly is, the one we're to fear and the one who's in control, our perspective, as I said at the beginning, shifts. And we're able to look forward with a different lens on. Instead of a lens where there's a void, this void of unknown outcomes in front of us, a chasm of pain, because we're anxious about it, look through the lens where you see Jesus where you see the truth of what he did for you. And in turn, you see the kingdom. You see the mission, you see the vision. Because when we have a proper lens on, a reminder of the cross is daily in view. We can think through how because of Jesus' perfect life, death, and resurrection, we are safe and secure for all eternity, no matter what this world throws us. Romans 8.32, he did not, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So even in persecution, we know we're secure. In the midst of the pains of life, we know we're secure. It is from this eternal perspective, knowing we're saved by the blood of the cross, that we're able to not be anxious, that we're able to let go of control and we're able to trust him wholly with our lives. Church, we can't do this on our own. We can't live the anxious free life if left to our own devices. Ironically, we need God's help to even fully trust him. That's why we need to daily seek him and his kingdom. Verse 32, fear not little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. A father's tender loving care for his flock is the ultimate remedy for anxiety. In this, we're reminded that not only do we have this incredible God, that we're to seek his kingdom, but we're reminded that he wants us to have this kingdom. And it's his good pleasure to do so. And because of this, we're told this, these last couple verses, verse 33 and 34. Sell your your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I love how Jesus takes things full circle. Because this is a callback to the combination of the first section of Jesus' teaching regarding greed and covetousness with this concept of anxiety laced in here. Both of these have to do directly with full reliance on the one true king. As he started that conversation with the disciples, talking about covetousness, he walks through anxiety, full trust on the Lord, with the end result of... Give your stuff away. Well, okay. Thanks, Jesus. That was, I don't, it, why? You go through all this and then you say, okay, at the end of it, give your stuff away. I want you to think about this. This is such an upside down culture shifting paradigm that no matter who you are or what you have, don't be anxious about your stuff and trust me so much that you're going to give. That is a true trust. 
That is a full reliance on the Lord if I've ever heard one. That is full spectrum trust where the outcomes are not the concern, where the kingdom and the cross are at the forefront and where anxiety doesn't play a role. I'll be honest though, next to love your enemy, this might be one of the hardest commands Jesus gives us to not be anxious. Because we as human beings have such a hard time giving up control. We have a hard time trusting and thinking we have to do it on our own, but we're promised here that he will provide and knowing he will provide, we're to give to those who need. Church, as we leave here today, I pray that each of us would take this command from Jesus seriously. That we would daily desire to hand over the reins of control, knowing his deep love and care for us. And again, this isn't an easy task but with the right perspective with seeking the kingdom and focusing on the truth of the gospel by his grace, we can begin to hand over the anxiety of our lives to him, freeing us from the mental, physical, and spiritual trauma that it causes and drawing us closer to him daily as we rely on him. So as we close what I said at the beginning, do we see God for who he is a full spectrum trust, not worried about the outcome because he holds the outcomes. Let's pray. Again, Lord God, thank you for this time and your word. Thank you for the truth that you do hold us and sustain us. That in this life, when trials and pain come, God, that you are in control and you are there and you will provide. I pray For anyone in this room right now, God, that is dealing with anxiety, that is dealing with worry, God, about any, anything in their life, God, I pray that you would comfort them right now because it is not easy. It's not easy to deal with, God. I pray that you would give them a peace that passes understanding right now. And Lord God, that you would use this passage to help them give control to you and trust you with whatever's happening. In Jesus' name, amen.